Mark chapter 12. It is at the very end of that chapter. Jesus is in the temple and there's a lot of teaching going on. There's a lot of confrontation going on with the religious leaders. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to hear God's word. Let's pray. We want to hear you speak, living Lord. So we pray that by the power of your spirit at work in this place, among your people, you will open our hearts and our ears to you. In Christ's name, amen. Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, beginning at verse 38 through 44. Listen to God's word to you. As Jesus taught, he said, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. They will receive greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then Jesus called his disciples and said to them, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This is the gift of God's word. Thank you. I encourage you to leave that open as we listen to what God is saying to us uh, this morning. I think on this All Saints Day, it's good to remember that everything that we learn and everything we want to learn, we learn from others. Whether you are someone who loves to cook and you go to a cooking class or you like to watch your favorite cooking channel, food channel, whether you are a professional in your workplace, having to watch webinars, wanting to watch webinars, whether you are someone who wants to learn a certain skill and you look it up on a YouTube video, whether you are in sports and you have a coach that gathers you together to watch a clip to show you the wrong way to do it as well as the right way to do it, professors, superheroes, other people teach us, instruct us, and then we become the instructors, those that others are watching to see how to do it. So we learn from others. They inspire us. They reveal a better way, the right way to do it. That's true, especially among the people of God, because this is the way God made things. One of the things I've loved about the devotional book that I use right now, I've used it for the last couple of years, it's a subscription, and it kind of cracks me up because it's called Give Us This Day, but the subtitle is Daily Prayer for Today's Catholic. I'm not Catholic. But I do like this tool, and it has scriptures and prayers, and I kind of pick and choose the things that I read and look at that help me. But one of the things they have every day that I love is they have a page, 
And at the title, at the top, it says, Blessed Among Us, and it describes the life of someone over the last 2,000 years, it can be from a long time ago or it can be from this century, who has actually inspired us and shown us the ways of God. So in this particular issue, there was a page on Mother Teresa, of course, Henry Nouwen, St. Vincent de Paul. Some of these people you see buildings named after and we're like, who are these people? But the one that really was striking to me, and I often will rip out these pages and save them because they do inspire me a lot. This woman's name was Jane Addams, born in 1860 in Cedarville, Illinois. No big deal person. Baptized Presbyterian. Grew up in a wealthy family. And then later on in her life decided to go over to London, hung out in the slums to see how they were taking care of people. Because as she was reading her Bible, it says, the study of the Bible inspired a deep impulse to serve. Wow. So she came back and she went to Chicago and started working among the poor in Chicago and eventually was working for things like fighting against child labor and helping empower women and working toward racial justice. Just amazing things. Now, during World War I, she was an outspoken pacifist, and so people didn't really like her. They turned against her. But get this, at the end, 1931, she won the Nobel Peace Prize. It's like, come on. She's just like you and me. Just like you and me. The fruit of our discipleship shows up and people see it, and it inspires us, and it reveals God's ways in the world. That's being the people of God. That's why we're here, is to be that kind of inspiration and encouragement and revelation for one another. Jesus is teaching in the temple, and he sees a moment. He sees that there's something he wants his disciples to notice. So he gathers them together, and that's how we know this is a really important teaching. He says he got all his disciples together, sits them down, and this is what he teaches. He lifts up two models. One of them is a bad model, and the other is a good model. And so typical of the Gospels, it's shocking who turns out to be the bad model and who turns out to be the good model. The bad model is the whole category of the scribes. The scribes are supposed to be the good model. They're the ones that know the scriptures. They are the ones who are the rabbis. They are the ones who are teaching people the way of God and showing them how to do it, along with the Pharisees. But Jesus is saying to them, beware. Why? Why is he warning them against the scribes as models? Go ahead and shout it out. Why? They like to be seen pompous, deceitful, hypocrites, they're dressing up, they like wearing long robes, they like to be seen, they like to get the best seats, they like to be honored. Any other reasons? Yeah, they're doing it for attention, for appearances, their actually behavior is hideous in terms of the way they behave with the widows, devouring widows' homes. They say long prayers, 
So all of it is for externals. And there really isn't this genuine dependence upon God. They're giving huge amounts of money in the temple. And Jesus sits the disciples down right across from the treasury where people gave their donations. And what's probably happening is that before you put your money in, you were supposed to say the amount that you were giving and where you wanted it to go. So everybody was expected to give, and everybody could hear what everybody else was giving. So the scribes are putting in big amounts of money, once again, for appearance. So Jesus says, look at this. And there is the opposite end of the spectrum. A poor widow, we are told, who's in the bottom rung, on the bottom rung of life. No voice, no power, vulnerable, completely dependent upon men to make her way in the world. And her offering is so tiny. It is so itty-bitty, they barely have a coin that can be that amount of money. A penny, we're told. And yet Jesus says, she is to be lifted up as a model. Why? What? She gave everything she had. Everything she had to live on. Expressing her full dependence upon God. Unlike the scribe. For me, as I was in this passage, the message was clear. Perfect for this All Saints Day. What it means to be the people of God. Perfect for this month where Trinity has been moving through this fall, encouraging all of us to add a new spiritual practice to our daily lives that helps us know Jesus and follow him. And this month, the theme is on giving. I thought, perfect, perfect. Giving helps us do what? It helps us express our dependence upon God and also to live more like Jesus who gave everything he had. In fact, that night, Thursday night, we went to a service league reception, several of us, put on by Karen Francone and those who work with the work of Hope House Women. Just an amazingly effective ministry, if you will, that was put on by the county. And there were all these dignitaries there. And they were being recognized and named and brought up and giving speeches and thanked. And then there's Julie O'Keefe. Julie, are you here? Not here today. But Julie O'Keefe, who's a graduate of Hope House, who works with the women every weekend, every week, interns there, she is not on the powerful title rung. But she's on the front lines. I went up to her and I said, Julie, you are where the Spirit of God truly, truly, through this whole work, but I just want to name, you're on the front lines, demonstrating what it looks like to live by God's grace. You inspire me. You inspire me. So I met with the leaders Thursday afternoon. I met with Kurt. I emailed Craig. This is the big idea in worship on Sunday, is that we give because we are expressing our dependence upon God, just like Jesus did, and I thought, this is just perfect. And then I pulled out the piece that I use, Kurt and I use, when we're doing premarital counseling, and they help you understand as 
those who are getting married, what your relationship to money is, how you think about money, how you handle money. And in here it talks about you may think about money as status, you may think about money as security, you may think about money as enjoyment, you may think about money as control. It's helpful for you to know when you're getting married because you got to figure it out together. And I thought this is perfect too because that's where Jesus is taking us. It's not money as status to impress. And even though we feel like money can be security, it can also be an opportunity to express our complete dependence upon God. So there you go. That was my whole message. I thought, this is perfect. This is great. Then I got to Friday. I read a little more. I read the passage a little more. I read what was around it. And I realized, you know what? This big teaching moment that Jesus has right here, really important. I think maybe it's about something a little bigger and a little harder to hear. This is what I noticed. The scribes whom Jesus is saying, beware, don't live like them. They devoured widows' houses. You know what they did? Widows when their husband died, were not considered competent to manage their own estates. And so it was typically the scribes that would manage their estates for them. And women were wanting their scribes, their rabbis, to live well, to live comfortably. That was what you did. You helped your scribes live comfortably. So oftentimes the scribes were actually taking advantage of the widows. And they were wealthy because they were taking advantage of the most vulnerable in that culture. Whereas the law, the Torah, taught you are to protect orphans and widows. So instead of actually following the ways of God to protect orphans and widows, they were taking advantage of the widows and living in luxury. Jesus notices and says and mentions that. And then he points their attention to a poor widow who's in the temple, and everybody in the temple is expected to give to support the work of the temple, to make their donations. And here you have this offering made by people that had plenty and this offering made by this widow who had nothing, and she gave even her nothing, her home, her welfare, her income is devoured by the temple system. Whoa. The temple is exploiting and devouring widows' homes. And then Jesus leaves the temple. The next chapter, he says, this temple will be torn down completely. Nothing will remain. All will be thrown down. A very important teaching moment for all Jesus' disciples. Not just then, but now. 
And the question it raised for them and the question it raises for us is what does it mean to be God's people and to reveal his ways to the world? What does that look like? That's what Jesus is teaching us. And if you keep going into the story all the way into the later New Testament and into the book of Acts, you will see these disciples transformed. And in Acts chapter 6, they will wake up and say, we cannot neglect the care of the widows. And that's when the deacon's ministry is born. What does it look like to be God's people and to reveal the ways of God to the world now? Several weeks ago, once a week, I go to St. Francis Center to help out. And I was talking to Sister Christina, who runs this amazing ministry. And she had a bee in her bonnet, so to speak. And she had something to tell me. And she wasn't going to let me leave that office until I heard it. And what she wanted to tell me was that 48 families had been evicted from the apartment complex across the street. 48 impoverished families who had nowhere to go because the rent was going to be doubled because the building was bought and was going to be transformed and the rents would be raised. She went on and on. And the sentence she said that most got my attention was, it's okay to make money, but not on the backs of the poor. And I'm thinking to myself, the whole time she's talking, I'm thinking, this is inevitable. This is gentrification. You're not going to be able to stop this. And here she is. She goes, I've got to talk to Mark Zuckerberg. Because Facebook is encouraging people to live within 10 miles, and it's really driving up the rents. And on and on she went. This is not right. This is not right. We have a moral responsibility. These are families. These are homes. This impacts people that we need to serve us, clean our houses, do our yard work. On and on she went. And I thought, oh my gosh, she is being the voice of Jesus, revealing the ways of God. And I felt like, blessed among us, I'm in the presence of someone who is showing something to me that I think is just inevitable. And she's saying, this is not right. And I have to say that as the ripple of that went out, people in this congregation are co-moderators for our deacons board. Cliff Kemper, Sabina Wands. You inspire me because you stand in solidarity with the ways of God, and you are trying to help your children and your family in this congregation do the same thing. Sticky adventures, going to that peaceful march, walking with them, standing behind them, listening, showing up. That's how we be the church standing in solidarity with the ways of God, addressing what is not equitable. It is Jesus' teaching moment alive in us today, every day. You know, I think we hear the word saints, and we think it's somebody perfect, and we so quickly say, well, I'm not a saint. But you know, by the very power of Christ's life alive in us, Whenever we stand in solidarity with the ways of God, especially on behalf of the vulnerable and the oppressed ones, the love of Christ is alive in us. The life of Christ is alive in us. 
And we are an inspiration and a guide to other people in our families, in this church community. To Nora, when you and Casey Anderson, when you were at that march, you were an inspiration and encouragement to them, to the ways of God in our community, and to me, and to Kurt. The ripple effect of that. All of you, wherever you live, Craig, Maury, wherever you are, in the courts, when you stand up for justice the way you do, especially for the most vulnerable. Teachers working with special needs. Mothers working with your children. Some of our seniors, Rhoda Luttrell and Charlotte Short, aren't here because they are with their husbands who had a fall. We are standing in solidarity with the ways of God, especially for the vulnerable. So Jesus' love for the lost, for the last, for the least, is embodied in you. It is, and people are watching. People are watching, and it inspires, and it reveals. So saints, it's just not being good to get to heaven. It's the goodness of heaven coming to us and being alive in us. And revealing that all the ugliness we see around us is not inevitable. What is inevitable are the ways of God. Made clear, available, alive to us in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, we need you. And we want to be people who live your compassion, your righteousness, your justice, your goodness. So be alive in and through us. May we be your people, your window into that love that endures, that is changing all things in and through your death and resurrection. So help us to be the blessed among us today, by your power, in your name, amen.